The long and the short of the bandwagon is the li- You know what? I'm confused already. It's Schmanners. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. That's extraordinary yet again. Extraordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? Where did that, that I don't snarky know. neck movement come from? I don't know. Okay. Maybe I'm just excited to okay. be talking about idioms again. You, this is a... Re- oh, I leaned against the door. And it- oh, no. My studio. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> destroying the studio. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Uh, this is a recurring... Uh, segment, a series, if a you series, will. yes, a mini, uh, maybe mini series. No, it's a no, series. It's a series. Okay. I mean, at this point, this is this number is the four. One. Yeah, we had more wedding business. Well, oh yeah, but you, that doesn't mean that this is any less of a series. Let that not detract from the the worthiness of this. It's not important. So idioms, <laughs> real quick to catch you up. Idioms are like uh, sayings. It's something uh, where it is usually a clever turn of phrase or some kind of catchy thing. Not only that, but it's uh, illustrative. So um, use of metaphor right. is rampant. And so it's usually like a kind of fun turn of phrase. For example, one of the ones we're going to talk about today, lily-livered, mm-hmm. right, uh, is pretty common of like, oh, that person oh, is lily-livered coward. And you're like, ah, oh, yeah, that person's afraid of everything. But the reason we started doing this series is there's all these, well, two reasons. One, it, idioms there, are fun. Okay, three. Three <laughs> reasons. Idioms are fun. There's all of these uh, things that we say all the time that we kind of take for granted, that mm-hmm. we know what they mean, but when you really stop and think about it, you're like, where did that come from? And two, uh, the English language is notoriously difficult for people to learn because these kinds of turns of phrases, like we here in the U.S. hear them and we're like, yeah, of course, yeah, totally. And other people trying to learn our language are like, wait, what? What does that mean? Exactly. And so uh, we took some submissions. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alex, our researcher, has been collecting those and then going through and trying to find origins and explanations for some of these especially weird ones. And we also have some idioms that we should no longer use because they are deeply problematic. So if you enjoy- Or just a bummer. Or just a bummer. So if you enjoyed this episode, go back, listen to the other three uh, oh, also... Make a day out of it. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you enjoy this episode and enjoy listening to Teresa and I talk, we started a kind of mini-series. This one is a mini-series. Mini, yes, definitely a mini-series. podcast about Great British Bake Off, the new season. Episode one, Cake Week, is out now. Uh, episode two <gasps> will gonna... be out yeah, soon. Yeah, soon. Tomorrow it's yeah. on here in the U.S. Well, cause we're recording this Thursday. It's not important. Um, but <laughs> Nothing's important today. But you can listen to it. <laughs> On uh, it's up on YouTube on the Macroy Family YouTube, and it's now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and uh, it's on Pod uh, what is it Pocket Casts. So go check it out there. Okay, all right, the baby's napping. Yes. So it's time for us to talk about idioms. All what's, right. What's our first idiom? Well, you mentioned it first, so let's do it first. The phrase "lily livered." Okay, so "lily livered." Here's what I think of when I hear that. Like, mm-hmm. um, 
uh, almost like somebody going pale, right? When you're okay. like, oh, you know what? Shaggy and Scooby. Shaggy and Scooby are lily liver, right? Okay. They're a little bit, uh, or there's a, even the mention of a ghost. Good, good, good and, ghost. And they, and, they, and they go white. They go pale. They're scared. They're scared, Teresa. Okay. Yes, indeed. That would be a good illustration of lily livered. Um, but that's not the, the origin wouldn't be um, the draining of the blood from the face, right? Going oh, okay. white. Uh, this was submitted by Corey. Uh, thank you, Corey. So this is because of in the Middle Ages, when where this phrase originates from, they didn't quite understand, you know, how the body worked. Oh, this is a humorous thing. A little bit. Yeah, it is a humorous thing. Um, if you are unfamiliar with humors, uh, please go check out um, Sawbones. Uh, Justin and Sidney McElroy go over the humors uh, I've heard quite of them. extensively. Yeah. Now, they, because the humors have influenced a lot of idioms, oh, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Because there's, there's uh, like, just even he's in a bad humor, right? Right. Like, right. The, these kinds of things. Um, even the word phlegmatic, right? Where yep. you're like, oh, and they're very phlegmatic. Melancholy. And melancholy, right? Because you have uh, phlegm, mm-hmm. you have black bile and mm-hmm. yellow bile. Mm-hmm. And you have ooh, blood. Blood, right? Okay. <laughs> I was trying because all I could think is sanguine, which is right. another one we That's use all the time, um, right? And so these, the, you're. It was supposed to be like if you felt a certain way, it's because your humors are not in balance. It makes no sense now. It was the way. So it's it's twofold. It's the way that the body was explained to have worked, and a way of like kind of medicating usually through food sure right so if you found that you were uh, melancholy right you had to eat a certain hot or cold wet or dry food anyway and then, go like, check if you that didn't, out if you didn't have enough blood you needed to eat more red meat like that kind of thing yeah yeah okay. like that okay so how did that lead to lily livered well, so the medieval belief that the liver was where all of your courage was held, okay. right? Um, sort of like how the heart holds all the uh, love? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, sort of like that, actually. Yeah, um, and so, your colon holds all the poop. We, we used to believe <laughs> such weird things. Such weird things. Uh, so if you had no blood in your liver, you would have no courage making your organ white, right? Oh, so it's quite literal. It is quite literal. Okay. Now what about the next one? This next one is hop on the bandwagon. Okay. So this, if I hear this, I usually think about it in, ter- in terms of like sports. Okay. Where if a team starts winning a bunch, right, then everybody's like, oh, yeah, I love that team, right? Because like they want to be part of this cool thing. It's another thing, cool thing of like if a TV show becomes popular, suddenly everyone loves that team. It's kind of, you know... It, they're like, oh, I've loved that TV show forever, and only because people are talking about it now are you talking about it. It has to do with fandom a lot, right? Uh, fandom or or just like a cause or a trend. Right, right? okay. Uh, this was submitted by David, <clears throat> and the origin of this is uh, actually very interesting because we have P.T. Barnum. I know that think. guy. Sucker born every minute. Can't uh-huh. please all the people all the time. A lot of good sayings from that fellow. Right. Inspired the perfect movie, Greatest Showman, uh-huh. which I watched drunk on an airplane and cried multiple times during. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I don't have one? any opinion. Okay. Anyway. I've never, wa- I haven't watched it since I watched it drunk on a plane, mind you. Okay. So who knows? Who knows? 
So all I know is sometimes when um, BB asks for uh, movie musicals in the from Alexa, uh-huh. she it comes up. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so you need to know that circuses arrived in towns usually by train. Okay. okay? Um, and P.T. Barnum started calling the particular vehicle carrying the circus musicians a bandwagon. Makes sense. Right. And so obviously when the circus came to town, it was a big deal and it attracted people's attention uh, when he decorated the whole like train, the music uh, vehicle, like all this kind of stuff. Everything was very brightly colored and illustrated um, and paraded it out in order to promote the circus. Okay, So this is where it gets interesting because... Politicians literally <laughs> hopped on the bandwagon to uh, to promote their things, right? So they oh. began decorating their own, quote, bandwagons to parade through the streets in the same way. That makes complete sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the hope is that you would hop on their bandwagon and begin to support them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That one's okay. Yeah. You know what? Totally clear. Totally, totally clear. clear. Now, what about spitballing? Less clear. <laughs> okay. Okay. This it. Uh, okay. So here's the thing. Spitballing to me mm-hmm. is like uh, when it's like, okay, we don't know exactly what we're doing. So let's throw out some ideas. Right. You say something. I say something. We're just spitballing here. Right. It's kind of like. We're we're looking for the solution. We're not exactly sure where to start. So any suggestions are welcome. Mm-hmm. Now the thing that's weird to me mm-hmm. is a spitball. So when you wad up a little piece of paper in your mouth and you get some spit on it and you shoot it through a tube like a straw or something, that's a spitball. Yes. So is it about if it sticks to the wall or not? Uh. Not really. So here's the deal, right? There are a couple of origins of this. The first one being that the process of blackening your boots was called spitballing, right? Why? I'm not exactly sure, but it has to, it doesn't have to do with the blackening of the boots so much as you would really only do that if you had time on your hands, right? So it was kind of something where if you had a lot of time, you had uh, the time to just kind of throw wild ideas out. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as time went on, it began to be associated with the children's prank where school kids would answer questions or shoot at the back of the teacher's head. Right. With spitballs. Okay. <laughs> with spitballs. Um, and then... When it really took off was when it was a started to be associated with ad jargon. Okay. Okay. Um, that's just like where instead of being like something that you did if you had a lot of time, it's closer to what you said. Right. Just now. throw out ideas. Right. Right. Because I've also heard of it as like blue sky thinking, right? I'm just like, whatever, which I maybe it's because there's no clouds, there's nothing in the way, right? It's completely open. Okay. Maybe. But I do think about it in terms of very like boardroom, executive madman kind of deal. Just like throw something out. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's- Right. That's where the evolution has led to. Because it's it's kind of used in the same way as like, 
we'll throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Exactly. Right? I'm just like, whatever, baby. This is jazz, you know? (laughs) Throw it out. Throw it out. We'll see what sticks. Okay. What's next? Next is the long and the short of it. Okay. Now, this, this is usually, I think, up in terms of like, the like a summing up, right? Sure, yeah. So listen, uh, I've told you this whole example, and the long and the short of it is we need to get in there right now, right? It's basically the the too long didn't read of of its day is saying like, okay, well, the long and the short of it is we're running out of time. Yes, right. Okay, so we have uh, William Shakespeare to thank for this one. Ah, uh, that dude. Um, that dude did a lot of these. I know this appears to be one of the hundreds of phrases uh, that he coined. Uh, it shows up in Merchant of Venice, Mary Wise of Windsor, and Midsummer, um, And it's thought to be started out as kind of a reference to accounting, right? Sure. As in, don't tell me how you work the numbers out. Just tell me the beginning and the end result. Okay. I guess like, I, don't worry about showing your work. Just tell me what the answer I is, guess the I long can, and the short of it. Yeah, I can kind of see... Where you would say, like, the long is the long explanation and the short is the summary. So, like, what's the long and the short of it? What's the big picture and the summary? Don't tell me all the in-between stuff. Yes. Okay. Perfect. I guess that makes sense. I guess. (laughs) Shakespeare. Okay. We're going to talk more about idioms. But first, how about thank you for our sponsors? Let's go. We want to say thank you to Varsity Tutors, one of our sponsors this week. It's been challenging for students to transition from being in a classroom for seven hours a day to learning from home. Well, Varsity Tutors delivers free live enrichment classes taught by experts that make learning fun. Now, BB is a little too little uh, for for this right now. But, oh, boy, there's a, like, uh, wildlife learning series on there that includes some dinosaur classes that BB is absolutely going to just devour here not too not too far from now. Uh, so Varsity Tutors has hundreds of free online classes to enrich your child's educational experience. Whether it's a class taught by an astronaut, musician, or wildlife expert, there are fascinating subjects for everyone. Varsity Tutors also offers one-on-one tutors self-study tools, learning pods, and homeschooling resources. Varsity Tutors has a 4.9 out of 5 satisfaction rating. So to reserve your spot in a free class, go to varsitytutors.com slash schmanners. That's varsitytutors.com slash schmanners. Give your child the confidence and keys to success today at varsitytutors.com slash schmanners. We also want to say thank you to HelloFresh. Get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. There's something for everyone, including low-calorie, vegetarian, and kid-friendly recipes, which, believe me, is a concern that we appreciate. The packaging HelloFresh uses to ship your food is almost entirely made from recyclable or already recycled content. Easily change your delivery days or food preferences and skip a week whenever you need. It's great. Right there, you learn how to do it. And like I said, 
man having it something that our almost four-year-old will eat too is just incredible it's it's really a big load off so go to hellofresh.com slash 80 schmanners 80 schmanners and use code 80 schmanners 80 schmanners and you'll get a total of 80 dollars off your first month including free shipping on your first box additional restrictions apply please visit hellofresh.com for more details that's hellofresh.com slash 80 schmanners one more time that's eight zero schmanners for 80 dollars off your first month. Hello there, ghouls and gals. It is I, April Wolf. I'm here to take you through the twisty, scary, heart-pounding world of genre cinema on the exhilarating program known as Switchblade Sisters. The concept is simple. I invite a female filmmaker on each week and we discuss their favorite genre film. Listen in closely to hear past guests like the Babadook director, Jennifer Kent, Winter's Bone director, Deborah Granick, and so many others every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Tune in if you dare. <laughs> it's actually a very thought-provoking show that deeply explores the craft and philosophy behind the filmmaking process while also examining film through the lens of the female gaze. So, like, you should listen. Switchblade Sisters. I'm feeling pretty good today, Teresa. Do you know how I'm feeling? Uh, are you fit as a fiddle? I'm fit as a fiddle! Another yeah. fun idiot. I'm fit as a fiddle! Also, I'm finer than frog's hair. That's another one that's very folksy. Yes. Um, Because frog's hair is so fine, you can't see it. Mm-hmm. So is I'm, that one that your mom used to say? My dad. Your dad says yeah, it. Yeah, okay. finer than frog's hair. He's folksy, too. He's Ohio, Pennsylvania folksy, mm-hmm. and my mom is, like, Kentucky folksy. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know that we just have, uh, is fiddly farting? Is that your I dad or your mom? I think that's just something my dad said one time <laughs> in anger. Okay. Where me and Justin and Griffin were, like, in the back of the van, like, you know, probably, like, smacking the back of each other's heads or, like, arguing about <laughs> Game Boys or something. And dad just, like, quit, quit fiddly farting around back there. And we all three stopped, like, excuse me? What did you say? Well, it worked. You say fiddly farting? Okay. Uh, speaking of fiddly farting. Sure. <laughs> you are correct. It does mean that you're in good health. And this goes all the way back to 1600s England, um, when violins were both incredibly expensive and highly revered instruments. I would say, yes, indeed, this continues to be correct because violins are also notoriously hard to maintain. I imagine so. I mean... Pardon the use of this word, but they are a little fiddly ah. because, you know, they got a lot of moving pieces. They're very small. Wood expands and contracts in moisture and dryness, and and you're using it a lot. There's a lot mm-hmm. of heat and friction. I, yeah, I'm not surprised by that at yeah, all. Yeah, so if you're fit as a fiddle, you're doing a lot to maintain your health as well. Okay. I see. Okay. Now, this is another one that I think pretty common, right? Giving someone the cold shoulder, uh, which is like above and beyond just like ignoring them. Like if somebody is like, hey, hey, Travis, and I like purposefully like turn my head away from them Mm. and I'm kind of actively like, I want you to know that I'm ignoring you. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Um, And the origin of this expression is physically literal. Okay, because in the 1800s, it was good etiquette to welcome visitors to your home with a hot meal. Um, Okay. And if you didn't offer them a hot meal, you would instead offer them a cold shoulder of mutton. Oh, so you're literally giving them the cold shoulder. You are. And you're letting them know that you don't like them. Whoa. 
I wouldn't have guessed that in a billion years. I would have guessed it has something to do with like, well, I'm looking over this shoulder, so that's the warm one. Oh. And I'm leaving this shoulder alone, so nothing's touching it, so it's cold. This well, is I the mean, cold shoulder. Turning your shoulder away from one, you're right, is kind of like ignoring them on purpose. But isn't it so awesome that this origin is actually like literal, a cold shoulder? Yes. Now I want to know what a chip on their shoulder is. I wonder Ooh, if that's a Let's okay. save that one. Well, yeah, yeah okay. write that down. So now this next one. I don't know. Okay. I, I mean, I maybe recognize it like uh, passingly, but happy as a Larry? Yeah. I mean, I've heard happy as a lark. Yes. And I, although I didn't, you know, I don't know uh, uh, literally where that comes from. I, I would assume that because a lark is always singing. Sure. Yeah. That makes, yeah. But this is one much like Bob's Your Uncle, mm-hmm. right? Where it is. Uh, because it is one of the reasons we might not know it right away is it's a common phrase in the UK and Australia. Yes, and it begs the question, who is Larry? Well, we've been searching for him for years. If you <laughs> Do you have any information about Larry? If so, call this hotline. Maybe okay. it came from a person. Maybe it is Australian boxer Larry Foley, who never sure. lost a fight. Pretty happy. That would make me happy if yeah, I was a boxer. Yeah, he winning. Um, and maybe it's not a person at all. Okay. Could be from a Cornish slang term, larrikin, which means rough type or hooligan. Sure. Okay. Uh, maybe it's because you don't have any responsibilities and you want to seek fun and party instead of having to go to work? Sure, but is that a characteristic of a Larry? A is li- that like, well, a- everyone knows Larry. He doesn't like to work. It's a characteristic of a Larrikin. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, Larry? Oh, but you barely know him. Oh, yeah, but you know how Larrys are. Always happy and shirking. That's probably not. I'm sorry. If there's any Larrys listening, I'm so sorry. Sorry, Larry. Now, this is another one that I think there's a song. Oh, who sings it? Nancy Griffith? Are you talking about Blue Moon? There's that one. You saw me standing alone. Well, there's a couple. Blue Moon of because there's also Blue Moon of Kentucky. Keep on trying. But the one I was thinking of was Just Once. In a very blue moon. That's like yeah, that one. And I feel one coming on soon. <laughs> that one makes the most sense with the actual origin. Right. Once in a blue moon is like it happens rarely, right? Exactly. Like you might say, like, oh, you're expecting the boss to give you the day off. Maybe once in a blue moon. Yes. Okay. Because a blue moon is quite rare. Um, it's when. There are two full moons in one calendar month instead of just one. Oh. And it occurs like every two or three years. So not unheard of. But not like it doesn't actually, it doesn't appear to be blue like a blood moon or something like that. It's just like. No. It's rare that the, the moon's cycle would line up so that it would be like, oh, yeah, it starts right at the beginning of the month. There's a full moon. And so there's time for another one to come back around. 
Exactly. When it is. I'm nodding my head in agreement. Waxing gibbous. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Let's not let's not outstep your boundaries here. When it's waning (laughs) and waxing and gibbous. Those are words associated with moons. And the lunar. Another one. uh, Gibbous is quite. You keep saying gibbous. It's gib. Well, the lunar gibbous is such that it looks like a fingernail. What? <laughs> you know, you okay. get it when you kind of look up at the sky. Is God's fingernail not important? All right. Sometimes I say it's not important when I realize <laughs> I don't have any idea what I'm saying. But I've also passed the point of just stop, just stopping. And so I'll say it's not important to indicate. Don't look at me. <laughs> okay, let's talk about something else. Okay. A bed of roses. Okay, now here's what I think about with this song. Another, oh, well, song. I think about a song. Another song. There's a John Bon Jovi song. Mr. Bajovi mm-hmm. um, has a song about this that rocks. It's very, it's, it's a. It's a banger. It's a really banger. It's a power ballad in oh, a way that. Okay. Uh, we don't. Listen, the 80s and early 90s were a just golden age of power ballads <laughs> in a way that we don't so much see anymore. I um, like when they call it a hair ballad. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of that in there. I mean, this is Jumpa Jovi. It's hard not to have some hair in there. But the chorus is like, I want to lay you down in a bed of roses. Because tonight... I sleep on a bed of nails. Oh, boy. I want to be just as close as the Holy Ghost is. Because tonight I sleep on a bed of roses. It's something like that. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah. Didn't, it's confusing. I don't remember the exact ju- words. Oh, okay. okay. I don't know All if right. that's exactly I was gonna, it. I was going to say, didn't he just say he was sleeping on a bed of nails, but From now what roses. I understand, the song is about, like, touring and, like, how much he misses being with her and, like, being far away from her. At least that's what the music video would lead me to believe. I like this song. <laughs> okay. um, and so I've watched the music video, which also... Frankly, rules. It does seem pretty romantic, doesn't it? Yeah. A bed of roses. It's like, um, you know, this is like, you know, think about like spreading rose petals on a bed, right? It's like the most romantic you can think of. It's It's not just romantic, but it's a situation that is comfortable and easy. Right, 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 right. And it comes from Christopher Marlowe. I'm sorry I sang, everybody. I feel bad about it now. I have no. It's I think right. it was really bad. It was not bad. Okay. It was loud. Okay. Well, I it, pulled away from the microphone. You did. Okay. You did a great job. Um, so it comes from Christopher Marlowe's ni- uh, sorry, 1599 poem, The Passionate Shepherd to His Love. It's a very romantic poem. Um, Is it literally about like a flower bed of roses? Well, he describes... That uh, while he may not be able to be uh, to lavish riches upon his love, he would make her life as splendid as possible, a.k.a. give her a bed of roses. Okay, because listen, folks, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life and I don't know what you're into. But if you're looking for extreme comfort, laying down on roses, those things got thorns. You know what I mean? I don't know that I would I'm just saying I would not want to lay on a bed of roses. I would like to look at a bed of roses. I think they're beautiful. Okay, now this one, let your hair down. I'll tell you what I think of. I think of Rapunzel. Oh, really? Let your hair down? I think of 
the trope of the the uptight librarian who pulls the pencil out of her bun and shakes her hair free. I mean, yeah, okay. Yes, I think of that too because let your hair down is usually like, hey, you're too uptight. Let your hair down and relax, right? Yes. It's, it's not just about like relaxing like I'm going to put my feet up and like sit by fire and read a book. It's mm-hmm. more like let your hair down like let's go party a little bit or let's break the rules let your hair down and get a little wild. Yes, it is. Because in the 17th century, uh, women were expected to literally pile their hair up on their head. So you mm-hmm. weren't really supposed to cut it, but wigs were fading. And so you would keep your own hair and pile it up and pin it onto your head. Um, so... Obviously, if you wanted to be free and comfortable, you would take let your hair down um, and so that, you know, you could like sleep. Right. Yes. Um, And then also it would be kind of a fun experience because you could brush your hair. And who knows what you're going to find in there? It's been (laughs) out for a couple of days. You might find a birdcage in there. Well, then you could wash it, which is another fun thing. Right. Um, And so. This is actually the origin of another fun term. Uh, When you would let your hair down to brush or wash, it was known as disheveling. So if a person looked disheveled, it meant that their hair was messy. Now, isn't it so nice that women are no longer expected to conform to these beauty standards that make them uncomfortable and, like, that is, like, a lot of hard work for, like, what? You know, it's so nice that that that's just not a thing anymore, right? You can't see it, but I'm staring daggers, well, no, and I'm I not. wish that I had a little cricket noise, because no. that's not true. I was being, Teresa, hey, this is just for you and me. This isn't okay. for them. I was being sarcastic. Uh, I was like, I was expecting you to maybe play along a little bit and be like, oh, yeah, it's great. Not, maybe, I don't, uh, I mean, maybe not that. Not no, enough. I have sworn to fight the patriarchy, so I'm not even in sarcasm. Okay, fair enough. Now, what about... Elbow grease. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is something where, uh, once again, this is like hard work, right? I think about it literally in terms of like uh, fixing things, right? Like, well, yeah, you you could call somebody in to fix that pipe, but why not use a little elbow grease and fix it yourself? You know, okay, that kind yeah. Of thing. I, I mean, it really has come to mean hard physical effort, right? right? Um, so. In the 20th century, this literally meant if you're sweating, you're working hard, you get a little, you get sweat in the crick of your elbow, right? Sure. The little crease of your elbow gets greased with sweat. Okay. Well, but that makes sense. Uh-huh. This isn't where the term first showed up. So the first uh, show, the first showing of this term in print would be uh, in 1672 by the English poet Andrew Marvel. Uh, And he wrote, two or three brawny fellows in a corner with mere ink and elbow grease do more harm than a hundred systematical divines with their sweaty preaching. So basically, it means that the message is more effective if you speak passionately and pass the word around than if you yell it from a pulpit. Sure. Sure. Now, Teresa, I want to tell you something. Okay. Um, you are the apple of my eye. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> you are. 
No, so it I'll, means that I'm your favorite. Right, I'm the treasured person you, in your that life. You hold a special place uh, in my thoughts, right? Right. Okay. Why though? Okay. Well, so even though the phrase actually dates back to uh, 800 CE. Shakespeare is the one who made this sure, popular, sure right? In Midsummer, um, it was related to the pupil of your eye, right? Which is the the black part in the eyeball. That's the pupil. Yes. Um, and that was often referred to as the apple. So if someone was in the apple of your eye, you were fixated on them. They were the center of your attention. Because they were right there in the center of your eye. I've never right. heard your pupil referred to as the apple. Maybe that is because now it was referred to that, but now the apple of your eye, the like the the idiom has overtaken its origin? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? I think for the rest of this episode, we should just play it by ear. <laughs> Don't we always play it by ear? Yeah, more or less. So this uh, play it by ear, I always think of like, I'm I, we're going to like kind of keep moving forward however this happens. Like we don't really have a plan, um, but the next thing that happens, we'll kind of decide what to do from there and so on and so forth. Another literal idiom. Um, it comes from- Can I guess? Piano playing or like playing music? Yes, exactly. So if you didn't have sheet music, you were listening, you were improvising, you were playing it by ear. Okay. That makes complete sense. Okay. Now this one. Oh, that made so much sense that now I'm confused. Oh. And I'm feeling a little out of sorts. Mm, I like how you linked it. I'm trying to. So out of sorts is usually what I think about like, oh, I haven't organized my thoughts. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of confused, but not just like confused that I don't understand something, more of like, for example, if you walk into a room and you forget why you walked in there, you are out of sorts. Because it's irritating. Also, right. right, that you walked in that room and you're like, uh, I can't remember. Why am I at the refrigerator? It's that happens like, to me a lot. <laughs> like, okay, and maybe this is the origin of it, but I'm not looking. But like if I had a bunch of papers sorted, right, and I walked into a room and accidentally dropped them mm-hmm. and they were all out of sorts, right? They were all not sorted. It's like your thoughts are like that? Sort of. Very close. Very close. So the term probably goes back to typesetting. Okay. Um, when the individual metal pieces of letters would be sorted at the printers, right? So they'd be in all these little boxes. Okay. And if they were out of sorts, they were not in the little right containers. So you couldn't oh. find the letters you were looking for in order to typeset it. Ver- okay. I get it. Okay. Also... Could be from the Latin word sortum, which means destiny, condition, or category. Um, so if you're not in, if you're out of any of those things, you're not having a good time. Sure. I choose to go with the typesetting one, though. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And you know what? The fact that you agreed with me, Teresa, it just puts me on cloud nine. Oh, if I could do that, like, snappy thing with my finger... I can't do Not it. The, I can't, but yeah, wah, wah, wah. The, the, yeah, 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 that one. <laughs> Good but, work. <laughs> so on cloud nine is usually like, I am so happy. Mm-hmm. I always picture it like I'm floating on a cloud, right? I'm so happy that I'm floating. It's like I, my feet aren't even touching the ground. I'm so happy. Yes. And again, this is pretty literal. It comes from uh, meteorology. Okay. So 
they would sometimes classify different types of clouds by using numbers that depended on their altitude. Oh, okay. So if a cloud was categorized as a number nine, it meant it was really high up in the sky. Well, that makes complete sense. Yeah, some of these things are so, like, their origins and their derivatives are so, like, perfect that you wonder, like, is this an idiom? Or is this something that is, like, so simple that we... Well, should I, always do you understand I what do, I mean? But I think that it's just like we were talking about with Apple of Your Eye, where it's just like the idiom overtakes the origin to yes. a point where you no longer set like I I wouldn't have thought of cloud nine as being literal, a cloud at its highest level, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, well, that has to refer to like some kind of reference or right. something like that. And you feel so silly afterwards and especially if you've argued with someone about it like this is what cloud nine is this is what cloud nine is and then you feel so silly that it's time to bury the hatchet oh (laughs) i like it when you do this thank you for our next for our next idiom uh episode i want you to do it for all of them you want to do it for all of them okay so bury the hatchet is (laughs) you what i think of when i think of bury the hatchet is like a long-running argument okay. or, like, a feud, something like that. Not just, like, oh, we disagreed and, like, the disagreement's done. But I usually think about it in terms of, like, you know what? You two have kind of been frustrated with each other for weeks now. Mm-hmm. It's time that you buried the hatchet. Like, it's time that not only do you end this argument... But you also like make up with each other and become friends again, or whatever. Yes, it does. It does reference uh, an actual Native American practice of putting down weapons as a declaration of peace. Makes sense. Yeah. So you're putting down the hatchet. Yeah, and, and I mean, it, it seems that there is occasion where tribes would literally bury a hatchet, mm-hmm. uh, but it does seem to be more figurative. Okay. 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 Um, so we've had we've had a lot of fun today. Sure. I mean I hope so, you know? I but hope the people listening have had fun. Also a few idioms we'd like to talk about that maybe we should remove from yeah. our vernacular. This first one I think is really important for us to talk about because I think that it seems so innocuous. It seems almost pleasant. I yeah. remember actually in elementary school, so we're talking about cake walks or piece of cake, right? I remember in elementary school doing a cake walk. I did too. Right? Yeah, we would so you would put uh, move all the desks, right? And then you'd tape out on the floor, little squares with numbers, and each number was associated with a baked good. Right. You you dance and kind of walk around, and when the music stops, uh, a number is called out, and if you're standing on that number, you get a baked good. Okay, but here and so the the idiom came to mean like something that is easy, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, that thing, it's a cakewalk, right? Like it's so easy, don't even worry about it, or piece of cake. You know, like, oh, getting to where you're going, piece of cake. Don't worry about it, right? But here's the thing. The origins of it are not good. Exactly. Um, So it originated as a dance performed by enslaved black people on plantations during the Civil War. Mm. Um, The owners, traffickers, would hold contests to make slaves 
kidnapped hostages do these dances in a competition for cake with the idea that the dance must be easy for them. Yeah. Uh, later, the dance and the idiom was popularized through minstrel shows. So let's just, you know, drop it. Let's not do that anymore. Um, another one is chop chop, which I think is another one that, you know, people probably aren't thinking about. And it means like, hurry up, you know, go faster. So it's problematic for a few reasons. First of all, uh, and, you know, most of all, it's an American adaptation of the Cantonese word cop, which means make haste. Um, so the very real word was Americanized by railroad workers in the American Southwest to make fun of the Chinese immigrants who were working on the railroads. And if that wasn't enough, it also became very classist right. in its use. Of It was usually used uh, like chop chop, something a more powerful person would say to someone like, don't make me wait, that kind of thing, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. When I hear it, I think of kind of like a... Uh, a uh, let's see, a an upper class like socialite lady kind of like clapping at shopkeepers. Yeah. Chop, chop, do right. do help me first. With, you know, something with, like with that. With kind of the underlying tone being, I could get you fired if I wanted exactly, to. Right? Like exactly. That kind of Very much so. Here's the last one uh, for today. Yeah. And it's, it's a little sad. It, it's not problematic per se, but... Um, so the term off their rocker. Um, Let's say it's very insensitive it at, is. at the very least. Yes, it is. I come think to anything mean, that makes fun of somebody's mental condition is yeah. insensitive. It's not it, great. It's come to mean someone who is mentally unstable mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. Um, so the term or- originates from the heartland where maybe a rocking chair was set out on a porch for a farmer to sit in after a long day to relax. Right. That's nice enough. But. If you were off your rocker, that meant that you had gotten up and kind of just wandered away. Right. It became associated with like older people sitting in their rocking chairs on the porch, you know, like because they didn't have anything else to do or whatever. And possibly also about the onset of dementia or Alzheimer's that these these older people who had once all their faculties just kind of walked away from their chairs yeah, insensitive, at least problematic, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say problematic. Let's just not do that one anymore. Um, so hopefully we can avoid using those and you've learned some more about some other idioms. And you know what? We love doing these episodes because we think they're interesting and we hope you do too. So if you found this episode interesting, two things you can do. One, go check out the first three idioms episodes. And two, share this with a friend. I think that these are great episodes to share because I think that these are things that everybody has at some point in their life thought, what does that mean? So share these idioms episodes with your friends. Uh, Share them on social media. You can follow us at SchmannersCast on Twitter. Uh, You can also go to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe. That is true. On Twitter, at SchmannersCast is where we take questions when we have an episode topic that requires questions. Um, But if you have uh, an idiom, please email it to us at uh, SchmannersCast at gmail.com. Alex is so great at sorting through all of those idioms. She loves looking at the the just the full inbox. Please do send those 
kudos to us. And speaking of, thank you, Alex. Again, thank you, thank Alex. you for everything. Um, we also uh, want to say, Teresa and I recorded an episode of a podcast. If you haven't checked it out yet, where we talk about Great British Big Off, we already have episode one up. It's on the McRoy Family YouTube. It's also currently on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Pocket Casts. And I don't know, maybe other places too. It's after the kids go to bed, so it's slightly looser than this it's one. It's very silly, but it is still <laughs> PG. So it is okay to check out. So if you like the Great British Baking Show or Great British Bake Off, it's the same show. You can listen to that and enjoy. Um, let's see. What else, Teresa? We always thank Brent Brentelfloss Black for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, we thank Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. One more time, that is at SchmannersCast. Um, thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. Uh, you can go and join that group if you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans. And of course, thank you, Maximum Fun, our podcast home. Uh, thank you for giving us a home, this uh, podcast roof over our podcast heads. And- One more plug oh. for a podcast. You wrote a book about podcasting. Oh, that's true. My brothers and I wrote a book called Everybody Has a Podcast Except You. It is a how-to podcast guide that'll teach you like beginning to end from picking a topic to like working with co-hosts to where to publish your episodes, all of that stuff. It's going to teach you how to make a podcast that you are proud of. And it's funny because we wrote it. And I know that this is the next question. Are you going to... Read the audiobook. We are. Yeah, yeah of course you, we are. <laughs> you can uh, you can pre-order the audiobook. You can pre-order the ebook and the hardcover. And there's a chapter in there with uh, Teresa and Rachel and Sydney talking about research because Justin and Griffin and I don't <laughs> research. Um, y- you can go to McElroyPodcastBook.com and pre-order it there. Now that's going to do it for us. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Schmanners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.